0: This is your host Shane with Radical Rocks. Today we have a very exciting episode. We're going to talk a lot about making jewelry today. We're going to talk about lost wax casting. Uh, We're going to go into some depth on that. We're going to talk about designing your own ring. Then we'll go on to some other great stuff on a meteorite crater, which is actually the second largest one uh, ever found. It's newly discovered in Australia. We're going to talk about opal which uh, actually captivated Andy Warhol to a little degree we're going to talk about some green jelly on the moon some fossil news um, fossil trilobites and if we have time we'll talk about how to start hunting fossils for beginners and a couple little human interest stories. So I want to thank you guys um, for tuning in. I've spent the last week in Idaho doing some things out there, looking around, taking care of uh, business. But we are back and uh, plan at least a show or two this week, maybe more. We'll see what we can do there's a lot of great information a lot of great rocks and minerals and gemstones and fossils to talk about so we ask you guys to support us uh, you can support us by just joining our social media and being part of our community um, there's a lot to learn there's a lot of cool pictures there's great blogs there's great interaction um, people buy and sell stuff sometimes on our website I don't uh, I don't uh, know any of them personally so be buyer beware but a lot of neat people are there um, talking about rocks and answering questions about rocks and minerals and things like that. Um, You can find that at radicalrocksusa.blogspot.com. We have a lot of blogs. They're free to download. Good information from shop tips to equipment to interesting topics and locations on rocks and minerals. We have our YouTube videos where we go on rock trips. We also go and check out uh, some rock and mineral shops, kind of fun. Um, we do some education on lapidary, silversmithing, things like that. You can pick us up at uh, Facebook. You can pick us up on MeWe. Um, at Parlor, we're at uh, hashtag RadicalRocks. So we're on all the social media. Come by, check us out, and uh, support the community and get even more information. Okay? So let's get right into it. Um, let's see what we've got here. Uh, first thing, this giant meteorite crater. It's uh, estimated to be 100 million years old. They think it's one of the oldest ones. Yeah, they found it in Australia. It's in the famous or historical gold mines near the town of Orabanda, and it is the second largest one. They've been mining all this gold in this area for quite some time, and here they find this meteorite. Now, they—it looks like they have this uh, satellite picture here. Not exactly sure how they found it, but now that they're re-evaluating this area, they're finding some strange rocks that just don't belong there. Um, and they're also saying that some of the things that are going on in the gold mine definitely went through a impact a huge impact Um, the date that this happened is a huge span of years they're not really sure exactly but uh, they have like a 200 million year spread so uh, really could be anyone's guess they say the gold is 2.6 billion years old Um, the asteroid smashed into pieces and displaced some of it so uh, very interesting article um, it's always nice to read. They found little bits of glass um, also as well that could have came from the meteorite. So these are all telltale signs, and they have a, a picture there of the exact uh, impact spot and how big they think it is, and it would have been the second largest one. Now, here's an interesting uh, article. This uh, is at uh, yahoo.com, written by Rachel Burrow and uh, she says and the study of the magical gemstone that captivated andy warhol and uh love him or 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 whatever um he was really amazed by opals they uh, have been around since the beginning of time they've been popular in kenya uh, rome Uh, they've been associated with good luck bad luck all these different things different people have desired the stone from the ancient Greeks who believed it was magic uh, magical and lucky Uh, Arabic legends went so far as to give it supernatural origins that it fell from the heavens among the lights the flashes of light all sorts of things. it's very captivating gemstone in fact I did a poll once and uh, I kind of started off as a favorite as turquoise and opal popped up and just surpassed all the other stones as the most popular. So it certainly is a captivating stone from famous people such as Mark Anthony, Cleopatra, Queen Victoria, um, Emperor Napoleon, um, Empress Josephine, all sorts of things, um, have been historical. Andy Warhol, uh, a famous New York city artist and film director, leader of the pop art movement in the United States, loved opal. He had his own collection. In 1977, he included photographs of his gemstone in the exhibition, The Opal Rainbow Gem. And uh, certainly it is, uh, I believe, one of the birthstones for October. So, uh, oops, I just, oh, I just closed one of my articles, wrong one. Okay, now, uh, unusual environment uh this is about the green gel on the moon the articles from entertainment overdose co uk says unusual environmental friendly gel like compound located on the moon is lastly recognized excuse me while i get a little sip of coffee here oh that's good stuff okay um they've got some pictures of it here china they have a uh, i don't know how it, how it's pronounced it's a y u t o 2 rover spotted this stuff on the far side of the moon and uh, they think it's caused by uh, it's a breccated rock made up of fragments of rocks that were cemented back together and the gelatin uh, looking uh, it looks like a gelatin salad with fruit bits and is glassy looking somewhat green um they are saying that uh, this is uh, likely a meteorite impact that caused this and uh, that is what it is probably some sort of a glassy type meteorite substance excuse me all right next on the news uh human interest here the uh elma uh elwood city ledger at elwoodcityledger.com uh has a geology trail hike on uh, uh october the 14th at the kildo picnic area at mcconnell's mill state park which i did write where that was where was that Mill State, McConnell State Park. I know I wrote it down. I forgot where it was already. It was where was oh it was Pennsylvania. That's right. Pennsylvania. Um they are having that nice little rock and mineral area at the slippery rock gorge to learn how learn how uh rocks and minerals are tied to the Aries past. And you can uh, reserve for that, uh, face mask and all that good stuff. Guided tour. Should be fun. All right. (coughs) Excuse me. Got a dry throat. It's going to be a rough night. Let's look at the next one. Another little human interest article at https semicolon backslash backslash silverbelt.com little article posted on September 29th um, about this little shop called the Pickle Barrel Trading Post, a favorite destination, and I had looked up where that was, and now I don't remember, but they do have uh, some rocks and minerals there, and it was here in the United States somewhere, and I cannot remember where it was. We are going to move on. We've got a lot of information fossils love fossils a new type of trilobite species found in tasmania this is on the sci news.com uh, written by enrico de lazaro on september 28th and uh it says fossils of a new trilobite species found in Tasmania. It goes in to talk about this new species. Now, what's interesting about it is the doctor who discovered this is Thomas Stuart Baker. Um, he named it after Thomas Stuart Baker, rather, um, this paleontologist. And Thomas Stuart Baker was the fourth actor to play the title character in the TV series Doctor Who. So he wanted to uh, give credit to him because in that uh, movie, I guess he was inspired to become a fossil hunter and collector. Even though it was uh, quite a bit before this paleontologist's uh, time, he had watched the reruns as a young man. And uh, Dr. Malta M. Bach from the University of South Wales so interesting interesting stuff here next let's get rid of that how do you how do you hunt fossils you want to hunt fossils great article at www.easier.com written on the 28th of september it says lane weinberg on fossil hunting for beginner's guide now he goes through all the things about hey you know you want to hunt fossils and he talks about some insight and uh, experience that he has and one the number one is research you can do some research now he talks about different ways of doing research I would say if you have a local museum a county museum that's a really great way to do research because they have fossils there and they will likely have the tags on them and giving the approximate area where they're found. Now, another thing you can do is, uh, you can look and see if there's any books, you know, that you can get on fossil hunting and see if there's any areas nearby you. Another thing you can do is you can, uh, Uh, just google you know or do some sort of a search he also suggests a couple websites that uh, if you go to i think one of them oh here is it here where was it he gave two suggestions of locations that you could look okay here it is Uh, both mental floss and cnn travel have lists of the best public fossil hunting sites in the u.s so there's there's a great suggestion right there right so, try to find something local and close to you, and go look. Now, beware: um, some fossils are not legal to dig. Here um, in California, you cannot dig up uh, any bones. You know, if you find them, then you can, you know, you can report it. Um, you might get some sort of credit for it if anything substantial is found. You can volunteer on dig sites and things like that. Um, you usually have to go through some kind of a little training um, at the very minimum to join a dig site, but a lot of fossils are available. Mostly here in California, you can dig uh, trilobites and sea creatures and stromatolites and crinoids and things like that that uh, are fun and some of them are really cool looking too other areas uh, you might be able to get fish and maybe small invertebrates i'm not sure you'll have to check the collecting rules for your area but uh, here in california you're not allowed to dig the big bones so um, but you can find them and you can try to get credit so find where you can collect make sure you're collecting something if you're going to take it home make sure it's something you can take home you can dig up and you're going to need some tools so he talks about having a toolkit. Um, Lane Weinberg here claims that there are some must-have tools for fossil hunting. Typically, you're going to need um, ways to transport them. Um, and uh, he doesn't really go into a lot of list here. Let's see. I did go through this really quickly. You're going to need good gear, you're going to need a map, you need a water bottle, cell phone, um, something to take pictures, notebooks, sketches, um, things like that. Tissues to wrap delicate fossils, ziploc bags, marker, label, um, gloves, uh, definitely some eye protection, hammer, it says here a drilling hammer and a chisel. I use a geologist hammer, and uh, a lot of times if you're collecting trilobites, it's in like a slate material, and you just uh, break up the pieces and try to find the trilobites that are in the middle. But of course, there's many different types of fossils to collect and different ways to do that. Uh, lastly, fourth step that he give, or uh, not lastly, but uh, next, the fourth step that he gives is a plan. So once you get your toolkit, um, you got your trip planned, um, and you're ready to take notes, you want to check a. Di- uh Choose a dig site, check out the rules, um, and then, uh, let's see, what else? Spend between two and four hours at the site minimum until you get comfortable at what you're looking for. Then your trip can last up to eight hours. Bring a map or a GPS, which Google Earth is great. You can usually uh, pinpoint stuff pretty good. Uh, If it's going to be real hot, go early in the morning. Watch out for storms. And then lastly, he says, identify, identify what you found. I think it's important to kind of know what you're looking for. Um, If you're going uh, in an area where they're going to let you get bigger fossils, then yes, that's, that's key. Um, I did read article, uh, maybe that's the one I, I clicked away. It was about a Wyoming um, fossil hunter. And they have a specific area where they had unearthed a large, um, not Wyoming, Montana. They had unearthed a large dinosaur head and several of the pieces. So this was a very good year for them. They have a collecting pit that they go to regularly to collect these dinosaur fossils. I'm not exactly sure what the rules are in Montana, but there's a lot of fossil hunting going on there. There's some gentlemen that uh, have a uh, land there. And I guess if it's your own land, maybe the rules are different, but uh, people are digging up big bones there. But I have also read that they get training in how to do it properly um, so that they don't damage it. Okay. So let's get into something that uh, a lot of people ask me, Hey, I want lapidary tips. I want to know how to make jewelry. I want to know what to do. Well, if you're going to make jewelry, then you need design. So I uh, did find an interesting article on designing your own ring. And this is at www.newsanyway.com. Let's see if we can get this advertisement out of the way by katherine it was written one month ago how to design your own jewelry and basically they tell you you know you could design your own engagement ring or whatever but um it's even if you want to make the jewelry these are great tips i thought it's not that complicated you do need to know the parts of the ring you do need to know The six main features of the ring the head, where the stones will fit, the prongs, the gallery rail that will be acting as a setting, the shank, more commonly referred to as the band, the bridge, and any accent stones that are going to be affixed to the shank. So, first of all, you're going to want to pick the style of the ring. Determining the ring is going to be the first thing you need to do. There's dozens of different styles. You could do something simple or classic or uh, whatever. You can look at wholesale rings and stuff and get ideas for your design. You might want to use those. Or if you're very, very uh, good, you can make them yourselves. Or it might be something that would require a wax uh, uh, casting. So there's solitary which is a very basic style just holds one single stone there's a halo that can be double or single halo what is a ring or a halo of smaller gems that surround the main stone there's an accent that's a style of ring that incorporates gemstones on the shank it's very popular for engagement rings a three stone uh ring uh, as it suggests this is a center stone that is flanked by two smaller stones and represents past, present, and future. Great for engagement rings. Cluster incorporates clusters of smaller gemstones uh, and can be in many different designs. Vintage, a design that represents specific areas such as art deco or, um, or whatever. And a band, which is just a plain band that could have patterns, it could have Uh, a design and is usually associated with wedding rings. So those are the types. Next is the setting. The setting is really one of the most critical parts of the ring. It's going to need to be practical and it's going to fit with your design. So seek the advice of reputable jeweler if you're going to have this uh, built for you. Um, Make sure that it matches uh, all the criteria. And there's dozens of different types of settings, so let's go through those. One setting is prong, which claws that vary in style that hold the gemstone in place. uh, Very much used for solitary rings and others. The pave setting is the... um, where the stone sets in a small drilled hole with the metal of the ring being visible giving a uh, paved impression. The bezel, uh, lapidary folks are most familiar with uh, bezels, is just a full or half uses metal to secure the stone around the edge can restrict the amount of light exposed to the stone um, in most cases but you can have a bezel with an open bottom too channel another secure setting that kind of uses lips to secure the stone in this sunken channel there's a bar which is similar to channel setting but the bar setting uses two vertical parallel bars to hold the gem in place tension settings are becoming quite popular um, although you can lose a stone in them and you can't really put the brittle stones in them the setting uses natural tension of the band to secure the stone typically on one side and the other Also, there's the illusion setting, which is a form of prong setting designed to give the illusion that the gemstone is bigger by setting the the stone on a metal ring. And then there's the invisible setting. This is a discrete setting with a rail holding the gem in place that looks impressive, although it is the least secure of all the settings so the other thing in designing your ring you're going to want to take in consideration the cuts of the stone there's a lot of different cuts so you'll have to see what your preference is they have links here we can check it out but the basic ones are round emerald princess um, hatcher and others the type of band um, again the design there's a huge amount of choice Um, You have to pick what you want. They're straight, tapered, reverse tapered, split shank, bypass, traditional, all sorts of variations that can add your own personal input to it. Now the profile of the band can be altered to suit your taste and look the way you want. Um, Names vary from country to country um, and can cause some confusion, but these are the most well-known. The D-Shape, this is a design where a flat inner and domed outer which is very similar to the letter D there's the flat design of course is flat on both sides a knife edge is flat on the inside and peaked on the outer um, court is one of the more comfortable designs it's rounded on both the inside and outside edges Concaved is similar to a concave lens with the inside of the ring curved to give the wearer added comfort finishes there's all kinds of different finishes most rings are polished but uh there's different types of finishes or brushed or matte or shined um can be used brushed is popular uh can be a little more masculine sometimes or give it just a little bit more texture other desirable finishes are hammered with a dimpled effect there's grainy um, threads of precious metals being woven together is a style um other types of ideas all many different designs for your ring so hopefully that gets your creative juices going now let's talk about lost cast waxing um our lost cast wax. Now in the Rock and Jim magazine, rock, the letter n, jim.com, uh they had a wonderful article on how to combine wax to create dynamic lapidary designs came out on September 29th and was written by Bob Rush. He has a lot of links there that you can click on to find out how to use a wax pen and flexible wax. So basically, I'll just tell you what this looks like. Hopefully I can spell it out with words in a way that you can see. He has a piece of carnelia and another piece of rock that looks like it could be either jade or some high quality chrysophase um, that is green. And they are both shaped, one kind of looks like a, like a bear claw shape, okay? And the other one is kind of like a teardrop or less of a bear claw it's more rounded not as sharp edges but kind of the same and what he has done is that is set in this metal or you know silver uh setting that is big the band is wide it's uh the rocks are elongated so um they're a little longer and thinner so the ring is the rock is set to to be to give you the widest band wide wide band very wide band right so this rock maybe is a half inch the band is i mean it's probably not a half inch it's probably a maybe three eighths of an inch to a quarter of an inch and the band is probably uh, about mm, looks like a quarter of an inch bigger than that so the whole ring together is probably a half inch wide I, i mean it really looks like it maybe a little smaller but it's a wide band okay Um, at least the top part where the setting is now at the bottom of the band it's it gets much more narrow but quite a bit of it is wide and he utilizes only a couple kinds of wax and then this wax this flexible wax (coughs) is simply just kind of a design put on the top to give it this texture to give it this, these veins, you know, of texture that are really, really attractive. So let's go into how Bob Rush does it a little bit in depth. And, uh, you can refer back to this article just by looking it up. It's really good article. So what he does is he's going to focus on how to use a combination of two types of wax. He recommends that you look up how to use a wax pen and flexible wax, because that's how you do the finishing touches on this. But what you would do is you need to understand the different types of wax. So for the flat surfaces, you would use this flat wax, and you would use the wax pen and this flexible wax but you also need to combine the flax the flat sheets of wax with flexible wax to make the base and the bezel walls for the stone okay so basically just think of uh if you took your ring and you cut it at the bottom of your finger and you unrolled it and it was flat okay so you've got this this shape that kind of looks like an eye patch right and you would cut this flat wax like this eye patch but in the shape of your ring and you would put your stone on it to make sure okay is it going to fit there and when you do that then you know how to make the bezel part where you can also use um, this flat flexible wax to form it around it now when you form it around it um you're going to need to leave room because this wax casting is going to shrink. It's going to shrink. So what he does is he incorporates the wax, like we said. He gets his cabbage on. He makes a pattern, a paper pattern for the ring base with the shape and the link that he needs to fit the cab. He places it under the pink wax sheet. And in this case, it's measuring 1.5 millimeters. He uses an X-Acto knife. He cuts it. He wraps it in aluminum foil around a large dowel that's about the same diameter as the ring that, that he wants to make. And then he wraps the wax pattern around the dowel and sealed the seam on the back of the wax with the wax pin. So you just glue it together. So wax work process, Okay. This is next. So, that was preparing the subject of the wax. This is the wax works project process. With the wax model mounted on the foil covered dowel, he places the stone where he wants it to appear on completion. Places, uh, he can use some double side tape on the back um, to make sure that it stays in place. Coats the stone with a light layer of um, mold release, wax mold release, keeps the added wax from sticking to it. And the tape holds it in place. Then he builds up the wax bezel around the stone. He drew multiple rows of flexible wax under the edge of the stone and up about halfway around the griddle of the stone. And then when that's complete, he uses a dental tool with a small tip to pry the bezel out of the wax away from the stone. Removes that away. Removes the stone by poking it out of the bezel through the wax sheet beneath and then uses an exacto knife to trim about a sixteenth of an inch from the inside of the bezel all the way around and check the fit of the stone. It must fit easily into the cavity because the wax mold is going to shrink during the casting process. He trims the sheet wax from under the stone leaving a sixteenth inch shelf for the stone to sit in. So using this wax pin, you can add some of the wax uh, sheet material also to blend in between the bottom of the bezel and the wax beneath and texture it and uh, put it around the bezel and down the sides of the band and you can modify uh, extra brass tips into the kit to any random shape by grinding or filling it to suit your needs and um It says because the wax melts at very low temperatures, you must dial the thermostat back significantly. So I guess don't do it in hot weather out in the sun or you're going to be in trouble. And he offers a few tips here. Um, He says to use the wax pieces to experiment with texturing before trying to texture the wax ring. And final step is to add the design over the textured surface with the flexible wax and that is all up to your imagination so kind of cool um, can be done it's not all that uh, difficult just takes some practice and if your stones a little tight you can take uh, after you do casting you can take a dremel and uh, snug that out and make it actually work so Hopefully, that is some good information for you guys. This is going to conclude this episode. Stay tuned for the next exciting episode of Radical Rocks. And remember, rock hounds don't die, they petrify.